Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If the Bolts go two down in the next game, how much panic sets into the team? And is the race start sustainable? And are they legitimate contenders? Should we be concerned about Jameis Winston's playing weight, or is it too much to do about nothing? We've got your mailbox questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, if you'd like to be one of our sponsors to this podcast, we'll tell you how you can do that. Our advertisers have had great success. We've got lots of new ways that you can sponsor uh, this for us. All you have to do is contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstrout at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you be part of our team. You know, the Lightning uh, just wrapped up their historic regular season. And of course, now they're well into their quest for the Cup. Hang on to history with their commemorative hardcover book. This 160-page keepsake full of amazing photos from Times Photographers will cover the regular and postseason. And if you pre-order now, you can save $10. Just go to boltsbook.com right now and you can place your pre-order and save some money. That's boltsbook.com. Dot com. All right, Steve, speaking of the Volts, uh, not a good opening game for them in their series against Columbus, obviously up 3-0, and then they lose the, the game 4-3. So now they're going to host Columbus again tomorrow night. So we've got a, a lot of questions, I'm sure, about the Tampa Bay Lightning, not the least of which is what happens if this continues? Well, yeah, Allie asked the first question, and you mentioned it in the tease. If the Bolts go two down in the series after Friday night, how much panic will set into the team? I don't know about the team. I will say that the fans will be absolutely ready to to revolt. You know, players, I think certainly they would have a sense of – I I mean, they already have a sense of urgency. You're in the postseason, but I think they they would have almost a sense of desperation at that point because – You'd have to win one game in Columbus just to you know just to bring it back to Tampa, um, but you can't play you know every uh, the rest of the series in one night. So uh, you know the focus would be on on you know the, the next game, game three. Um, it would depend, I guess, just the circumstances. I mean, if you still had healthy players, um, you know, I mean, is it possible to go down two zero? Yeah, uh, but you know. It, it seven games is a long series, and it does take four to win it. I mean, we talked about this last night where Columbus was up two zero, and then in overtime hit a couple hit a couple of posts or uh, or crossbars, and could have been up three zero over Washington last year. So obviously the Capitals didn't panic, and it paid off because they not only won that series, they went on to win the Stanley Cup, and they were also down in the Eastern Conference Finals and, and had to win both games and pitched a couple of shutouts in game six and seven. So these series uh, are long for a reason. It's to try to make sure that the best team has has the chance to win. And if you're the playing the best over a seven-game series and you can win four out of seven, you deserve to move on. But it does take four, and we're already starting to hear some of that rhetoric now that, you know, sure, Columbus won the first game, but that's, that's not the end of the series. So 
Um, I know this, though, that the Tampa Bay fans, with all the President's Cups, Jinx talk, and all this stuff, they would be uh, they would be pretty upset, I think. Well, and I think one thing to show that the team's not panicking is that they canceled practice on Thursday. They decided that they know what they have to do, each player individually, that you know they've got to play better, they've got to hold a lead a lot better than they did, but they're not panicking. I mean, you know, I know a lot of fans want, you know, oh, you need to, you know, run them into the ground the next day at practice and, and that, and, and it's – you know, I think John Cooper wants his players to get their rest and and come back ready to to perform the way they perform most of the season, and particularly the way they perform after losses, which they do very well. Right. Yeah, he could have not had him out there like Kurt Russell in the in the movie, right? Um, miracle, but mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't, and and I think he has to at this point. You know, he's been around these guys an entire hockey season. They set a you know NHL record, a tied NHL record with sixty two wins. You can't suddenly change personalities if you're Cooper and not trust your room, not trust mm-hmm. your leaders, all those things. And so, you know, one of the things that um, I was talking to our friend Tom Jones, tell me if you agree with this or not. And, of course, here we go again. People say, well, yeah, that's Tom. But Tom actually said he, he uh, texted his, you know, I think his son or somebody after they were up 3-0 and said, you know what, they're, they're very fortunate they got those goals. I don't think they're playing that well. And after two periods, he was convinced that they weren't playing well at all, um, even though they had a 3-1 lead. So, you know, you can go back and look at how the goals were scored. Um, certainly they played the first period better than they did the second two. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he he doesn't seem to think it was much of a fluke the way Columbus played. Like Columbus was on them. You know, they shut down Kucherov. They were prepared for Stamkos. They had a four, you know, killed a four-minute power play, scored on a shorthanded goal. I mean, he thought all those things were really, you know, credit Columbus more than, you know, hey, the Lightning just kind of laid an egg. And and but e- even if you agree with that, and I don't completely agree with it, although you know, definitely this the last two periods I thought they played better. You know, the Lightning started the second period on a power play. If Kucherov, you know, hits the one that goes off the crossbar in, it's four nothing. That's a ball game at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, that they were that close to pretty much ending it seconds into the second period. Now, Kutra hit the post, and kudos to Sergei Bobrovsky for the way he played the last two periods and, right. and kept them in the game. And as Tortorella and every Blue Jackets player told you, I mean, without him, we're not in that game. Right. Do you think they handled – I mean, this is a question I had, and I mean, you know, somebody raised this too, I think, on Twitter with us, is that why would a team with this much playoff experience not know how to finish a game? Uh, you know, when you're up 3-0. It is the NHL playoffs. They have far more playoff experience in terms of games played than Columbus does. Mm-hmm. Why would it take Why would it take losing to, to now suddenly go, okay, we're going to be locked in? Why weren't you locked in to begin with? I don't – I think they were locked in. I, the one thing this – I mean, this Lightning team hasn't played a meaningful game in months. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, I mean, they've been trying for records and, and they're competing hard. And, and I'm not saying, you know, they didn't try. They won a lot of games. But they haven't had a meaningful game in months. I mean, mm-hmm. th- at the turn of the, the calendar to 2019, we knew they were going to the playoffs and probably going to have the best record in hockey. That's true. I mean, you know, it wasn't you didn't clinch it at that point, but it was might as well of. You know, mm-hmm. barring major injuries or something crazy happening, that was going to happen. I mean, after they had that 16-game point streak in December, 
you know, the season was over at that point. So, you know, maybe it's – look, game one, we talked about this. Game one, all the pressure's on the home team, particularly the team that's got the president's trophy and is supposed to win the whole thing. And, and not that the players feel that pressure, but Columbus had nothing – they have nothing to lose in this series. They're not supposed to win you, this game. You know, I know that's true, but, I mean, I hear that a lot in sports, and, and there is there is a certain mm-hmm. – amount of freedom that goes with being the underdog you know nobody expected us to win i've heard the patriots say that um you use whatever you can right Sure. and if that relaxes you so be it but i've always had a problem with you know of course they have something to lose that's their whole season they've well, been playing they've been playing since october too you know what i mean like they had to fight to get in the postseason they they have dreams of a stanley cup it's not a given that the eighth seed can't win it all mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they have the same thing to lose as the Lightning do. It's just they don't have the expectations from the outside. But internally, I bet John, I bet John Tortorella is hoping and thinking, hey, with the, right, with the right breaks and if we play the right way, this group might be able to win a Stanley Cup. I well, don't know. I mean, Look, this team got 98 points, and the team we're seeing on the ice wasn't even there for most of the season because they, added, this one's better. they added several, yeah. several top-notch players at the trade deadline. That's right. And they still scored 98 points. I mean, this is a very good team. What, what I mean by nothing to lose isn't that they have nothing to lose, but it's that you can take a few more chances. You, you, you know, you maybe you're not gripping the stick quite as tight. And I don't know if the Lightning do. I mean, they have so much experience on that team. You know, I just – I think the Lightning haven't done well all season when they have long breaks. Mm. And they had, what, four days off? Three days off Four in between off. games. Yeah. yeah, all season long when they've had breaks, they don't come out very well. The first game, and Vasilevsky hadn't played for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, whether it's the first game of the season, which they hadn't had a game in a week from preseason, the Christmas break, they came out. They won those games, but they, both games were six five after that, and you know they were really loose defensively, and they're turning over the puck a lot. And I, you know, I think they're such a finesse, skilled team that those breaks don't do them any favors. You know, because their their passes are usually tape to tape and perfect passes, and you know when you get long breaks, you you get out of your timing, and, and it's not an excuse. I mean, you know, Although Columbus I, I had the told, same amount of time off as as right. Tampa Bay did, so it, and know. and I was told too, and I know it's practice, but I was told like a lot of times their practices almost feel like they're like competitions, but they mm-hmm. said that in practice they were they were very serious and very precise and trying to go tape to tape with everything and. Um, very no, no nonsense. So they they're supposedly they had a really good practice before. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, there's always two teams out there, right? And it's and it's just one game, and who plays the best that day? I liked what Tortorella told his team, and this is why John Tortorella is in the game as long as he's been. And he basically, uh, I don't know, did you happen to see it on Fox? They captured uh, one of his speeches, I guess, either between periods or yeah, he was uh, kind of lit the into game. them about this ain't about X's and O's. Exactly right. He said he just said that he goes, you know, no matter what happens out there, keep playing, you know, just Mm -hmm. uh, keep grinding, stay with it. Um, It doesn't matter how it's not about skill. It's not about who does what you just it's just basically he was saying, you know, keep grinding like you have to grind with these guys for 60 minutes. I mean, they they went in and perhaps because they know they're not as talented, but they went in with the idea that the only chance they had to win um, was not to give up no matter what happened on the scoreboard. And they mm-hmm. gave up three goals in the first. Um, and they executed what he said. I mean, they did exactly that. They kept at it. 
Um, they got themselves back in the game and, and they got a break. Um, and then they finished it. They finished them off. So uh, you could feel you could feel it coming. I mean, I think anybody that watched that game after about three, two, and certainly when they tied it, you were like, OK, they're coming now. This is this has gotten away from them. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, they, and for whatever reason, they weren't able to reel it back in during the game. Mm, no. And you hope that the 48, you know, 45 hours off in between, you know, with the veteran team that knows what they're doing. And, and obviously, Cooper's got the confidence in them because he canceled practice on Thursday. Sure. Well, like I said, you know. he's got to trust his guys. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to come out flying on Friday. I think, you know, whether it's a one-goal game or an overtime, who knows. But um, you won't see them do anything but play – you know, completely uh, for 60-plus 60, 60 minutes. I, I think they learned that lesson well, if, and, if it wasn't already enforced. And the other thing Cooper said is, has any team ever gone 16-0? and No, it's hard to do. It doesn't happen. I mean, no one no, goes through doesn't. the Stanley Cup without losses. So, you know, I mean, this, this is a war of attrition, and, and, you know, it's a lot like baseball. I mean, you don't go through the postseason sweeping every series in baseball either. No. You know, hockey and, and baseball uh, are more even sports where – you know, you you know, you win or lose, it's about fifty fifty and then give or take a few games either side of that. Well, every game in baseball, mm -hmm. they're all gonna lose they're all gonna lose uh, I'm sorry, they're all gonna win sixty two. Every team in baseball. Yeah. Every team in baseball is gonna win sixty two. So it's what you do with the remainder of those games that, that separate people. Yep. Exactly. So, so good question. That's our first one. We got a ways to go, but um, yeah, I don't think the team will panic as much as, as maybe its fans. All right, well, Bolts want Bama Clemson asked. I can't believe I'm even typing this because I still have faith, but if the Bolts are a first-round exit after such a historic season, what changes do you think will be made? Well, there will be changes. Um, we know it's not going to be the head coach because they just signed him to an extension, so it probably won't be him. I don't um, think you'll see a ton of changes. No, I mean I there's mean, there's going to be there's going to be some free agent. I mean, Braden Point they have to resign, and he's going to be a big contract. So there may be a contract or two you need to get rid of. Mm -hmm. uh, you got a couple, you know, some free agents and unrestricted or restricted free agents. I mean, three of three of the guys in your blue line, Strawman, Girardi, and Coburn, are all unrestricted free agents after the season, and all are in their thirty-two, thirty-four year old range. You know, you're probably not bringing back more than one of them, if if any of them. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, look, two years ago when they missed the playoffs by a game, they didn't make a ton of changes. No, they didn't. You know, they, they know they have a good team. Only one out of 16, or one out of 31 in the league, but one out of 16 who makes the playoffs wins the Stanley Cup. Right. You know, I think an early exit – I mean, the one I would have said was coaching had they not re-signed Cooper two weeks ago. Yeah, that's the one that, that you know – and I think they did that – to remove that as an obstacle because let's say that they're down 01 or 02 what are people writing and saying mm -hmm. like john cooper's gone if he well, blows this you know so that removes that as a as an even possible narrative but here's here's the narrative if they lose in the first round is is john cooper the tony dungy of the lightning well, that'll be said. Yeah. But you just signed Tony Dungy to an extension, so sure. you're going to fire him with all the money. Well, you, I, you know, I don't mean probably... but, but is he the guy that can get them this far but can't sure. get them over Sure. Well, the I, hey, that, until be... you win it. Yeah. yeah, until you win it, you are that guy. Well, I and mean, Stam that's... Stammer's been talked about now. I mean, now he's the best player in the league that's never won a Stanley Cup that's got that's a, right. a long career. I mean, you know, Ovechkin had that title for many years. That's right. And, and I'll say this. No matter what, Stamkos better, better play well. 
and he better start doing something um, because because th- people will be talking about him. They'll be talking about Kucherov. That's the label you wear unless you show up in big moments in the playoffs. And um, and and in, in Stamkos's case, he needs he probably needs to win a cup to complete his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, all those things are true. All right, Mike asked. Ryan Callahan is the perfect Stanley Cup playoff player. Why is he not in the lineup? Well, Steve, you can handle this one too. I mean, you were um, – I, I mean, I love Ryan Callahan. I think he brings something to them, especially in the postseason. But they like player, other players better. I mean, that's the only way to explain it. They've been doing this now for some time. Um, it's still possible you could see him. I mean, do you expect any lineup changes first and foremost for game two? I uh, Well, I, I didn't understand why – Braden Coburn wasn't in the lineup, first of all. Correct I, th- correct. I think he'll be in the lineup, and I think there's a good chance Callahan will be in the lineup as well. Um, you know, back when in February when they told him he was the 13th forward and that he was going to sit most of the rest of the regular season, I never thought that meant that was good, that was absolutely holding true for the playoffs. Right. That they wanted they had some younger guys, Adam Ernie, Matthew Joseph. They don't want to be sitting those guys, particularly when. You know you're going to the playoffs. You've got the best record. You you can let them on the ice and learn. And them sitting every third game because you're rotating it wasn't a good thing for them. Ryan Callahan, who's also injury rep- prone, I think he wanted to save more for the playoffs. You know, so you play him on back to backs, and if there's obviously if there's a forward hurt that can't go, he's going to play. But you're you're kind of saving him almost from himself. And the style he plays because, he, you know, he throws his body around so much that he can hurt himself. That right. I thought it was going to become playoff time. He would be in more often than he's not. And he might be for game two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I also know in watching the team for years is, look, is Ryan Callahan the 13th best forward on this team? He might be. I mean, it's you know, you could say Ernie and Joseph because their careers are going up and where they are and, and Callahan's on the backside of his career. Maybe they're better players right now, but – you look at the Lightning team throughout the time Callahan's been here, and when he's on the ice compared to when he's not, they play different. He's a tone setter. They are a he's completely different team. Yeah. You know, I wonder last night if Callahan was in that lineup if that team blows that lead. They may not, but I'll say this. I thought Joseph played really well. Uh, and it's, that's not taking away any, from Joseph or Ernie or any of them. I'm not – uh, that, But that experience, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. And, and that leadership. He is, he is one of the leaders in that locker room. I agree. You know, I mean, you know, Stamkos has the captain C, and he's a leader. Uh, but Ryan Callahan, to me, seems you know he might be the most. I don't want to say influential leader because I still think your captain is in that. But Callahan's a very important piece in that locker room, and a former captain in New York too. So, and much like Ryan McDonough is too. I mean, they have three captains on this team that have been captains in the NHL. But if you do that, if you put him in there, are you showing a little panic? Are you showing a little lack of confidence in what your convictions were going into the series or no? Or just this was maybe the plan all along? I don't think you're showing lack of conviction. I think, you know, I think the Lightning have shown, you know, throughout the season and in, in, in the past few years that they're going to put the lineup on the ice they think is going to win them the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if, if they think if, if Braden Coburn's going to give them a better chance to win – Friday night, they're going to put him in. If Ryan Callahan is, they're going to put him in. Mm-hmm. I, I personally would put Coburn and Callahan in. I'm not sure who I'd sit out for Callahan. Probably Adam Ernie, but and not that he deserved to sit, but I just think Callahan plays an important role on this team. 
And, and, well, because and Coburn, I would practice. sit probably Jan Ruda, or you could even set Sergachev, although with the power play, I don't know if they'll sit Sergachev. Yeah, well, because of the practice, we won't really know or have an idea just how they were lining right. up. Right, they'll have morning skate on Friday, so maybe you have a little better idea then. But Yeah, right. Interesting. All right, well, Les asks, with the Tampa Bay Lightning out in the first round, I'm turning my attention to baseball. Rick, the Rays can't be this good, can they? Should we adjust our expectations up? Is it now AL East or bust? P.S., just kidding about the Lightning. Go Bolts. <laughs> I think he's the one that uh, said something to me, said something last night on Twitter about, uh, you know, oh, well, we've got the Rays to look forward to. <laughs> so I can't, can't believe I just said that. Well, they're playing at a better um, clip than the Lightning in the regular season at this point. Yeah, they are. The caveat with any baseball discussion in April is it's really early. Um, but having said all that, it was, you know, they were on the other side of where the Red Sox are now. And, um, or they were exactly where the Red Sox are where now a year ago. You don't want to bury yourself. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, there are ways to look at this, but I think the only way you can look at what the Rays have done is that they've been incredibly effective and consistent and deep in with their pitching and the pitching has led them. They've, they've scored runs early in games and, and that's probably taken some pressure off of some guys. Um, but they're, they're doing it. It's not fluky. I mean, have they, you know, starting out with Houston and, and the Rockies, two playoff teams, um, taking a road trip all the way to San Francisco. And, again, the White Sox are not a great team, but you had to overcome some of the adversity of weather and travel. Now they go to Toronto. Um, you know, if they come off this road trip and, you know, they're, they're in good shape and they're going to be, um, I, no, I don't, I don't think it's a fluke because we watched this team win 90 games last year. Right, it, it would have been a fluke if they had won 65 last year and they started this way. Um, I, I think they are who they are. I think they're better. I think having time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tommy Pham start the season. I think Austin Meadows is, is clearly... Um, you know, brought them a spark, and he had a hot start to the Pirates a year ago, so maybe it's just something about him in the month of April. But um, they're absolutely doing uh, sort of what you, you, you would expected them to do and then some. I mean, you know, again, the pitching, to me, when you give up one or zero runs as many times as they have, um, you're going to win a lot of games. Now, are they going to continue that at that pace? Probably not. But I don't think it's going to be a, a precipitous fall off at any point. And, and you know what? We'll see when, when they start to play, you know, Boston where they have 19 games and I don't care what their record is. The Yankees have been beat up. Um, they had to go on the road and took it on the chin against Houston. So, you know, right now, so far so good. I mean, they're separating themselves at a time that you don't normally do that because the two, you know, the big two kahunas are both not playing well and the Yankees have a ton of injuries. So I, I think I expect them to continue this. Yeah, I mean, I look, they're on pace to win 125 games this year. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that probably won't happen. You know, they're giving a one run or less in eight out of 13 games. That's not going to continue at that pace. But as long as the pitching continues to be solid and you play good defense, yes, they're contenders. Yes, 
you know, a good season sustainable. They're 97 yeah. and 65 in their last 162 games. Not bad. That is that's that's playing. Very, I mean, that's. You I know, think I saw since August since August first the last year they have the best record in baseball. I yeah, I could absolutely see that. You know, I mean, that's, here's here's the other part of their schedule, and you know, look, it's it's you go to the West Coast, you go to Chicago, but it turns out so far this season that the Rockies, the White Sox, and the Giants are not very good teams. So the only good team you've played to this point are the Astros. No, you beat them three out of four. You do exactly what you're supposed to do. So we'll see when they start playing the teams that have, you know, bigger lineups and are, you know, playing better at this point. I mean, you know, the Red Sox maybe, but, you know, the, and, you know, you got Baltimore coming. you got the Red Sox twice this month still. Um, you know, I'm not – Baltimore is, you know, right around 500 now, but I don't think anyone thinks that's But they're not a 500 team, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Boston, when you start playing the Yankees, when you play the Indians – um, mm-hmm. You know, you start playing the, the Mariners. You haven't played, obviously, and they're they're crushing it. I think they just uh, Thursday their fifteenth straight game with a home run. Mm-hmm. That, that sets, I believe, that set the record to start a season for a team. So, you know, look, are, are they contenders this year? Absolutely. With that pitching and that defense, no question about it. I mean, they were last year, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. It's just that the Yankees and the Red Sox won hundred each, and they got yeah. off to a slow start. But a lot of times, ninety wins will get you into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it would have the year before. 85 would have got you the year before. Mm-hmm. You know, last year was one of those years where it took 93, 94 to get in. That's right. So, you know, should your expectations be up? I, you know, I think the expectations were right in line this year, that they could be at 90 wins or above and mm-hmm. compete for the AL East or, at worst, a wild card. I, I don't That's know if right. you're raising your expectations yet. They're definitely – meeting expectations, if not exceeding them, you know, to start the season. I mean, you're on pace for 125 wins. That's, that's but pretty, if you, you know, good. here's the thing. Like, if you have an April where, you know, you're 10, 12 games above 500, that, that's a lot of cushion for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's the sort of start that, that somehow sets you apart and, and it's, and unless, unless you have injuries or you just hit a terrible skid. I mean, they're going to hit some skids, but, mm-hmm. um, You've got so much house money at that point. So they've got a rare opportunity with this start to get themselves, and they already have, four and a half games up already. Well, they played two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's that's a nice little little pad that you're starting to build, and it could continue uh, when you get the Red Sox at home. So, you know, you start building leads like that, and, you know, now teams have to climb over two, three teams to get to you. Yep. Um, you you got to play 500 ball, and, and it's difficult to, to make up much ground. So – you can't win a championship in April. I think you can lose one, but you can also set yourself up, you know, so that when inevitably those tough stretches come, you've got house money to deal with and you can still stay on top of the division. So, well, that, and last I last mean, year, I mean, they started, everyone knows they started four and 13. Right. They had to go on an eight game winning streak and then win a nine and 10 just to finish the month mm. at 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. What you're doing by getting off to a big lead and it's 10 and three at this point is that. You don't have to go on long win streaks. No. You're just trying to win series. Just keep taking two out of three. And oh, if, yeah. if occasionally you, you win one out of three, you're okay. Or you get a four game and you split it 2-2, two, two, no you problem. You split 2-2, two, two, yeah. You right. know, you're just looking to, to just take two out of three. You don't need long win streaks at this point. And that, that's the beauty of getting off to a good start is you're not chasing. You're not going, okay, we need to win all three of these games this weekend. 
If you remember last year, they were streaky good and streaky bad. They yes. had a couple, I think, eight-game losing streaks and a couple of eight-game winning streaks. Yeah, they, so. I mean, an eight-game losing streak to start the season. They went, they won opening day and then lost eight in a row. But, yeah. That's right. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, there's another eight-game losing streak I see in, in June. I'm looking through their schedule last year. And I think they had a they couple, had a couple, of eight couple eight-game winning, winning streaks. Yeah, they were very streaky yeah. last year. And, and the good so. thing is when you get off to a good start, you don't have to be streaky. No. And when you have no. good pitching, you hope you're not going to be streaky bad. Right. Well, if, you've if always you run got into that a, If you run into a good win streak, even better. Yeah, exactly. No, I, it's solid. You, can be, you should enjoy the race season this year. Health will be a big part of it. But even there, they have a deep team with a lot of guys who can play different positions and some help in Durham as well. So I think everything is, uh, is kind of set up for them to, to have this kind of year. And, and getting off to a good start is always part of it. All right, rooting for UF asked. I asked this last time last year, so it's only fair when things are going well. Describe in one word the Ray season. <laughs> one word. I hate these one-word questions. They're so difficult. I have to think about it. Um, Mine would be pitching. Well, yeah, certainly that's a good one. Um, my one word would be confident. Uh, this looks like a confident baseball team. Uh, you know what? As much as like you know, watching them play, uh, what what comes through is that they're not surprised by it. You know that they're up there battling every at bat. That uh, they're they're expecting success. No one's sort of. Uh, you know, there was this. There was a moment there where Willie Adamas, you know, got off to a terrible start, and then he went like seven to fourteen. Um, and but you can see th- this is a confident group of mm-hmm. guys. You know, when you see them in the dugout, when you see them congratulate each other, uh, when you see them make plays in the field, it's it's expected. It's they're they're playing with a high level of confidence, and and they should, because they know they're good and they're not overachieving. They're just doing what 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 they expect to do. So, um, I would say right now they're a confident baseball team. I would say another word that came to mind as you're saying that is attacking. Mm-hmm. Is they're scoring? Yeah, they are. They're scoring early and they're throwing strikes. They're attacking yes, the game. That's a good point. Aggressive. Yeah, they're being aggressive, very aggressive. But yeah, they're, 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 they're you know, I, they're going after them. Yeah. Exactly. Attacking's I mean, a good word. Yeah, they're, they're, the pitchers are attacking the strike zone. The, the batters are, are, are up there to hit, and, and they're going, you know, they're swinging at good pitches and, and taking their walks. And yeah, they're very, they're very aggressive. They're, they are attacking. You're right. All right. We'll switch to football now. And Ellis asks Should we be concerned about Jameis's comments regarding his playing weight this year versus last year? Or is this much ado about nothing? That's a great question. I had this. Uh, I was at uh, doing one of these radio things for uh, WDAE, on, uh, sort of on location in St. Pete, and this question came up. Here's what I'll say about it: Most people think, ah, it's no big deal, and clearly Jameis thinks it's no big deal because well, the other day he he asked rhetorically, "Do you know what I weighed last year? What I played at last year?" And everybody's like, "Well, I said, well, you were listed at 231." He goes, "I played at 245, so it's five pounds of muscle." Five pounds. Okay. Um, if you say you played at 245, you played at 245. It, that's possible. 250 would still make you the highest listed uh, quarterback in terms of weight. And a couple things about it. Like, you know, I think you have to ask yourself, you know, you don't hear many quarterbacks saying, I think I need to get bigger, right? Unless, you know, it's some noodle arm guy coming out of, you know, a small college that, you know, hasn't grown into his body yet. 
but but for a guy to be in his fifth season and say, I just felt like I needed to be bigger at that position is rare. So you got to ask yourself two questions. One, how does he carry the weight? Well, it looks like he, it looks like he can carry it, or maybe three questions. It looks like he can carry it well. Um, he doesn't look fat. It's not sloppy weight. He's actually, he's actually bulked up a little bit, or mostly around the upper body, the chest, from what I can see. Um, the big question is going to be, well, how does it affect his mobility? Well, we won't know that um, until he's actually being chased in a regular season game. And one of James's strength is extending plays. And he, he does that both with his, his power and with his foot speed. And if you start to see him, you know, uh, getting caught from behind or not being able to get, you know, get the ball away or whatever, um, then we might say, well, you know, but it's five pounds. Well, five pounds in the Florida heat, uh, practicing every day, you know, can or cannot make a difference if, in fact, he was at 245. But the biggest concern I have about this, and this is what I said to, uh, on the radio, was ask yourself, why did he, you know, at, what's the why here? You know, it, you know, every year Jameis has worked on something. You know, he first came in, he didn't have a great body, so then he hired a trainer, Tim Grover, and he got his body, you know, it, it, he changed his body. You know, he's a little pudgy around the middle. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he, he went and then, you know, then he, one year, it was all about diet. You know, what does he eat? You know, what are guys eating? He got some advice about what to eat and how to eat and all that stuff. Okay, but what was it that prompted him this year to say, you know what, this year I want to put on weight. I want to put on good weight. I want to bulk up. Well, the why is, and I think Bruce Arians referred to it when I asked him that same question, why? Well, the why was, well, because he, he might feel like he needs a little more armor. Well, armor is something that, you know, you wear like shoulder pads, okay? Um, they got helmets and shoulder pads. They shouldn't need any more armor. Why would Jameis Winston feel that way? Well, he feels that way because Bruce Arians' offense is known for getting five guys out on passing downs, not keeping backs ends to block, not chipping with tight ends, and a quarterback having to recognize that there's more guys coming than he can block and, and seeing the hot route and getting the ball out of his hands. He's still going to take shots even when he does that. So I think what he has realized or someone has told him is that, hey, man, you better be prepared physically to stand in there. You're going to take some hits to this year now. You know, the, the couple of years the Cardinals had 50 sacks, 47 sacks, whatever. Carson Palmer got knocked out of a season. In fact, they used three quarterbacks one year. So, you know, when you hear the word armor, I think he's just trying to armor up a little. Well, I, if that's in his mind – I, I'm curious about how that's going to play out because, you know, if he's already thinking I'm going to get hit a lot and I need to do this for that reason, might not be the worst plan in the world, but I just think about the mentality of that. Like you're already sort of cognizant that something's going to happen to you when you're back there and you're going to have a, you're going to have, take a beating this year. So that would be my only thing is that, like, why did he feel like he needed to do this? All right, Stephen asked, some mock drafts I've seen have actually had the Bucks trading up to get Nick Bosa or one of the other top defensive players. From what you've heard, is this even a realistic scenario for the Bucks or just fantasy drafting? I think a lot of it is fantasy drafting. I mean, you're going to hear Jason Light on, our, on April 15th when he talks to us say, we could trade up, we could trade down, we could stay right where we're at. I mean, those are the three options, right? You won't know probably until you're, you know, your player is there and you're on the clock. The question is, how much are you willing to give up 
to move up. Um, they're in a pretty good spot right now in that there are plenty of defensive players, which is their biggest need, uh, that are worthy of a top five pick. And if they do nothing but stay there, they're going to get a really good player at five. If a quarterback goes ahead of them like Kyler Murray or let alone two, two quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins or somebody like that, then they're going to be in unbelievable shape, right? Um, Andrew Locke, for example. Uh, now, if none of those guys go, there's still plenty of defensive linemen and then, you know, slash linebackers, uh, one in particular in Devin White, that they could take at five and they'd be very, very happy. My guess is, you know, preferably you get more picks by not having to move down too far, but you just have to see how that plays out. Um, you know, Quinn and Williams is a good player. Nick Bose is a good player. Josh Allen's a really good player. Um, you know, so there, there are guys in front of them. Could they want one so badly? Um, even though you have, you know, other guys behind them that are, that are good too, that they would, that they would mortgage something in, in this, in, you know, in the second round, say, um, or next year's number one. I mean, I just don't see them doing that. I think I think the price would be too big uh, to move up and, and guarantee themselves one of the top two or three picks, and I, guess, I assume that's what we're talking about. So um, I think it's less likely they move up. I think it's more likely they move down. All right, Douglas asks, Minter isn't the answer at inside linebacker this year. Todd Bowles cut him last year as the Jets head coach, making him at least the fifth best inside linebacker on a team that's picking third. But Oliver will be there at number five. The 20 bucks interior defensive line is Vea and who? Or is Oliver's weight concerns enough to pass on him and take Devin White instead? It's a great question. I don't know how they rate uh, Ed Oliver versus Devin White. Um, Ed Oliver is getting a lot of run lately. And, you know, he had a good combine. I think he's up to uh, probably about 280, 290 right now. You know, Houston didn't do him any favors by playing him over top of the center where he could get doubled and triple teamed at times. I think he's a three technique. He plays the position Gerald McCoy would play, uh, even though this is a 3-4. You could have Vita Vea, you know, playing the nose here for a number of years. If you put those two guys together, um, they'd be really, really good. So I don't know that he's getting the, the run right now that he should, but um, you'd have to look at their draft board to know if Ed Oliver is rated higher than Devin White. I do know this, that the linebackers, as it's set right now, I'm not convinced they have a good inside linebacker crew. Now, Levante David can play. He's going to be one of them, right? But he's had injuries, too. He's not the youngest player out there, uh, and he's missed some games. So Kevin Minter has played and had success in this scheme with the Arizona Cardinals. He's right when he says that you know the Jets made him available, and that's how the Bucks got him last year. But then I don't know the Jets' linebacking core. Um, you've got you know D1 Buchanan, who's to me more of a more of a uh, situational linebacker, not a guy that's going to play every down. Um, and then the outside guys, they got they got plenty of them. Whether it's you know Jason Pierre-Paul or Carl Nassib or Noah Spence or um, you know these kind of Shaq Shaq Barrett, who they picked up from Denver. Um, there's a number of guys that can play outside. So in sheer numbers, they're okay. But from an inside linebacker, if they don't take one five overall, I think they'll get one uh, in the first three picks. I really do. Allie asks, 
if the Bucks have a Colts type of draft and hit on a number of players, is it totally possible, in your opinion, that they can make a Super Bowl run? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Um, is it likely? No. But uh, you know what? Um, you got to make the tournament. And if you make the tournament, you have a chance. I think they do need to hit on one or two guys, maybe one that actually makes the Pro Bowl as a Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, we saw that, you know, last year with Derwin James going to San Diego. Um, you mentioned the Colts. I mean, Quentin Nelson certainly changed that team uh, from an offensive line standpoint and the ability to run the football. So, yes, I mean, a couple players in the right areas can absolutely uh, boost you to, you know, to the next level. And for these guys, you know, a winning season, um, 10 wins, 11 wins, trying to get in the postseason, um, you know, you could do better than that if you win the division. Look, I'm, and we don't know what the status of Cam Newton is going to be in his shoulder. Um, you know, how long is Drew Brees going to be able to function at this level and have good health and um, make it as deep as they have in the playoffs the last two years? You know, Atlanta, this is it, I think, for, uh, for Coach Quinn. If he doesn't get it right this year, uh, they're going to be in big trouble. Now, they got Dirk Cutter back, so I think offensively they're okay. But defensively, I think that's, you know, Barring injuries, I mean, it's a team that's that's gotten better, but I don't know if they're there yet. Uh, they just re-signed Adrian Claiborne, as a matter of fact. So, you know, there's a lot of questions about the NFC South. I don't think it's as strong as it has been. I think you have some teams at the top, like New Orleans, that's hanging on, trying to make that run and just hasn't gotten the luck in the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think Atlanta's a super team anymore, but they're very capable, and, and Carolina is, is sort of driven by – Cam Newton. So, um, yeah, if the Bucks get the right recipe, if they add some players that absolutely, you know, fill those holes and not just fill them, but actually, you know, are the type of guys that are impactful in this league. Um, and, and I think Devin White could be, and I think a lot of these defensive linemen could be. Absolutely. A lot's going to be on the coaching staff. Todd Bowles, what does he do? How does the corners come back playing in a, in a man scheme? How does Vernon Hargraves do? Can they stay healthy? Um, but look, in the NFL, as much as people want to say, you know, there's the Patriots and, and there's a couple, only a couple teams that could win it, it's not true. I mean, I know the Patriots have won it an awful lot, um, but these are the best players in the world. And even the worst team still has the best players in the world. And there's a couple million that would like to take their jobs if they didn't, if they didn't have them, if they weren't on the 53-man roster. Um, so, you know, everybody has talent. This team has been building talent for a number of years. They're, that's why they're 215 class. Has, has been re-signed. That's why you lose players like Quan Alexander and Adam Humphreys because you have done a good job, at least on offense. We still haven't seen O.J. Howard for a full season. He's a, a Pro Bowl-level player, in my opinion. Cameron Brake played hurt last year. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, um, but you got to do it, you know. So it starts with the draft and getting some pieces. And, yeah, I, I absolutely think, you know, you have a winning season. Um, you get in the tournament. You got a shot. All right, those were great questions. Thanks for all of you who participated. You don't have to wait for a mailbag to send us a question. If you have it, we'll be happy to answer it on this podcast. Uh, you can reach us at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Big weekend in sports, man. You got the Rays finishing up their road trip in Toronto. Game two tonight of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Tampa Bay hosting Columbus down one game to nothing. Uh, that one's at Emily Arena at 7. Game 3 will be Sunday. They go to Columbus. Um, so by the weekend, uh, when we talk to you again on Monday, we'll have a better idea 
where this series stands. And it's a tradition like no other. Hello, friends. The Masters. And Tiger Woods is in contention after Thursday's round at minus two. So hope you enjoy the weekend. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great one, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.